Hello. Hey. Thank you for joining me for Practice No Filter. This is a, a, I guess I'll call it a family episode. So I have on the line my cousin Kyra and my cousin Cassandra. Say hello to the people. Hello. Hello, everyone. So I'm so excited um, to have you both. Y'all are very special to me in my life and special in my family. And as we have been navigating COVID-19 all over the world, um, it just so happened that my family members tested positive for it. So first of all, how y'all feeling? Pretty good. I, I can truly say that I feel better than I did. <laughs> Amen to that. So praise be to God. I don't want to feel that way again. Ever. Declare it. (laughs) We are so thankful that you are feeling better, um, both of you. And so the blog this week really talked about um, how we go through challenging events and experiences and that only the Lord could deliver us from them. And so as I was writing, I just began to think and process that the oil of God is undeniable over our lives. And I think particularly in this instance. So if you will talk about how this victory has impacted your faith and just your overall outlook on life. Well, first of all, I'd like to say all praise and glory be to God. Everything that I have gone through has not been alone. My family, my daughter, my mother has been there with me throughout this entire ordeal. And it was all orchestrated by our Heavenly Father. I cannot begin to tell you all of the stories and I can tell you this is COVID-19, the oil part one. Hmm. we will have to have more sessions because if you knew the entire story, you would want to hear more and it goes off into different facets. For one, we start with the fact that my mom called my daughter and told her that she needed to come because we had no food in the house. Well, everyone who knows any of our family members know we always have more than enough but it was the way that the Lord told her to warn others that I was in need of help I had been sick for a while and I did not realize it and I was trying to use over-the-counter drugs to make myself well but most of all I was trying to keep her from getting sick And my daughter was telling me things to try and things to use, which did sustain my mom. But unfortunately, I was more concerned about her than myself. So I was the one who went to the hospital. And when I did, it was strange. I was calling everybody in my phone, telling them to take care of themselves and go and be tested. find out what their status was because 
I wanted to make sure everyone else was taken care of. I wasn't considering myself at the time. But what I didn't realize, and the one thing that I did ask was that my daughter would pray for me. And this was while I was sitting in ICU because they allowed me one call before they started to work on me and to intubate me. And I called her. And the first thing she said was, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I had to send you to the hospital. Well, at that time, I didn't understand because things had transpired so fast. I didn't understand what she was talking about. I want her to share with you that part because uh, it would not make sense for me to tell you the part when I came out if she didn't tell you what all I went through while I was not able to even know what was happening. Yeah, so we'll ask Kyra to share. So my cousin Kyra is a nurse and was able to use, thank God, all of her knowledge and wisdom and expertise that she has honed and practiced over the years. So Kyra, you were in an interesting predicament because you were navigating with your grandmother who was 94 and also with your mom and yourself. So just talk a little bit about what your mom was just saying. So um, like she was saying, my grandmother called at 3.30 in the morning, which was weird. That let me know that my mom hadn't gotten up with her at all that day. Um, and she asked me to bring her some soup. So I said, well, grandma, they have soup in the house. She said, no, we don't have any. So that just let me know that my mom hadn't been with her all day and she was a little confused about the time. So I got up that morning and I, I went um, to the grocery store, got us some soup and came straight here. When I got here, my mom looked worse than the day before. And she's just like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. It's just, I'm just too weak. And I said, okay, well let's, uh, so she had a pulse ox, a portable pox, pulse ox, which monitors your oxygen level uh, in, in the house already. So I put that on her finger and it was saying it was in the sixties. So I was like, okay, well let me retry this again. And it was saying in the 60s again. And I was monitoring her breathing and her color was real pale. So I said, Mom, you got to go to the hospital. I said, no, you don't want to. I said, but you're, you're short of breath. She's like, I don't feel short of breath. I feel fine. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, I don't feel short of breath. I just, just feel weak. I just feel weak and dizzy. I think my vertigo is acting up. And I said, no, you're short of breath. And so, so I called 911 and they immediately came. Um, she was placed on like five liters, six liters of oxygen and sent to the hospital. Well, she was fine when she got there. She ended up calling all of her friends, telling them to come watch over me and grandma. And um, about six of her friends called me back to back. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And um, it was like, oh yeah, your mama just called me. I said, from the hospital? I was like, yeah. So I was like, okay. So about eight, nine o'clock at night, I get a phone, a weird number. It's a phone call from a doctor, Dr. Liz. And she says, well, Kyra, your mom's starting to desat, and we're going to end up in, within an hour, have to put her on a ventilator. And I was like, so she's desat that bad? She said, yes, we ended up having to go up to 15 liters, non-rebreather mask, and she's still struggling to breathe. She's breathing like 40 breaths per minute. Jesus. I was like, okay. So they immediately put me on the phone. I said, mama, I'm so sorry, but they're going to have to put you on a vent. And she said, 
well, you think that's the best thing? I said, that's your only choice. So she said, okay. And she really couldn't talk because she was short of breath. So, I, you know, I just did all the talking and praying. And then as me, within an hour, like Dr. Liz said, she was intubated. Um, this process went on for five days. Many people have been on the ventilators probably over 20 days, but hers only lasted five days. Within those five days, um, they put an A-line which monitors her blood pressure. They put a dialysis catheter in case her organs shut down. And um, they said they might have to put her on what's called a presser. Pressers are medicines that they give IV to maintain your blood pressure, to keep it at a certain level to maintain a cardiac output. Well, they didn't have to do any of those things. They did put the lines in, but they didn't have to end up giving her any pressers. She maintained her on her own on the vent. Uh, she did start off pretty high on the vent. And within the day five, like she was down to like little or none. And she was maintaining on her own. Um, she ended up going to a regular room on day six. Um, she started physical therapy. After physical therapy, they noticed that her breathing was getting a little worse. She ended up getting some pulmonary embolisms, which are blood clots in your lungs. Um, and they ended up putting her on a heparin drip and keep her on there for a couple of days. And they bridged her to a, a medicine by mouth for blood thinner. But the, the whole time, she has been in great spirits and God has brought us through this oh I'm, I, I just can't thank him you know I don't I don't know what else to say but thank you just thank you I mean my faith has grown tremendously throughout this whole situation I remember many nights I was walking around the house crying and and praying out to the Lord and just asking him to protect me my mom and my grandma because it was like I had to take care of both of them yeah I had to pray for you know praying for my mama you know praying that the angels and God would protect and watch over her praying for myself because I would despite all all this I was still negative I was still showing up negative because me and my grandmother got tested the day after my mom went to the hospital and I was showing negative my grandma was positive so I had to take care of her I had to be a 24-7 nurse at home with yes. my grandmother um, monitoring her her uh, temp monitoring her pulse ox and blood pressure um, I mean I just can't thank God enough for all the blessings that he has given and done for me and I just kept saying trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not to the own standing my cousins were tremendous throughout this whole experience I mean it, it was many nights that I kept saying I don't know what to do I don't know what to do and I would call them and they would just talk me down and, you know, pray with me. It was in my aunt, well, my aunt, Al, oh my gosh, she's just been a savior too. Um, my faith has grown tremendously. And I just know that he will never leave me, nor forsake me. And he will always bring me through. And that's all I can say. But thank you. I tell you, you go through something that a term that you get to know your mama's Jesus for yourself. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and this is one of those situations because, you know, for those that are listening in, 
my family is in New Orleans and all the news that we've been getting about New Orleans wasn't very favorable at all. And our hearts and prayers go out to those that have not been victorious in the way that we would have hoped and to their families and people that were unable to connect and be in the hospital and hold hands and pray over them physically in that space. And so it has really been a faith experience for you and for all of us to witness it as well because we we just didn't know and it's funny because sometimes you say things like we don't have anything else to do but pray and it's almost spoken from a deficit place but it is the most empowering place that we can be in terms of relinquishing all and that's what we were doing and praying your strength, Kyra, because that's a lot <laughs> to have to carry, to navigate um, two people who are accustomed to telling you what to do. Yeah. And now we had to rely completely on your judgment, your expertise, and praying God's strength to be able to sustain you while you contacted the doctors in the hospital and kept your mom okay and making sure that everyone had what they needed so um it, it's just been a powerful testament and we just give god glory for keeping you all and continuing to keep you because i know at home going through rehabilitation that takes a toll we laughed yesterday that um cassandra you didn't feel too well after your rehabilitation no. you were worn out no after rehab yesterday i really wanted to give up I really felt like I don't think that I'm making the progress that I should. Self-doubt always comes when you haven't reached the goal that you have set for yourself. Then what I have learned in rehab is that your self-goal is always higher than the goal of the the uh, technician as well as your physical tech, your physical a technician for your physical therapy and for your occupational therapy and the doctors. I had a doctor who I could not understand. He always made his rounds around 11 or 12 o'clock at night after they'd given you melatonin to go to sleep. (laughs) He came in the first night and he said, I know you don't expect to get any sleep while you're in this place. And I had to sit up and look back to see is this really a person that I should answer or this is someone that I can politely ask to leave out my room <laughs> when I found out it was the head doctor for the rehab clinic I, I, I had to you straightened up I straightened up because then I had something to tell her and I was like well I know I have a conversation at this time of night when you have sleeping feel for me to go and get some rest so he laughed. He said, I like you. You have an answer for everything. <laughs> but that was the one person who challenged me. And because he challenged me, I made it a point that I would give 100% in every therapy session that I had. The one thing I asked was that if they could help me to go up the steps, because I have steps in my house that I had to climb in order to get into the house. And I didn't want anyone to try to carry me. 
it would prove to me that I was ready to go home if I could go up those steps. So by the time I left therapy, I had climbed the steps, Kyra, 16 times. 16 steps. 16. Which you have to understand for a rehab patient, and especially for a COVID-19 patient, it's extremely hard because you have very little oxygen in your lungs. You're fighting all the time just for breath. As well as your legs feel like you have 100 pound weights on each. For me to lift them to put it on the first step was the hardest thing that I could do. But I made a point I was going to go up those stairs. And God helped me to do exactly what I had asked. But I want to go back to something that Kyra didn't mention while in the hospital. Each one of my angels that had worked on me while I was in ICU made it a point to come down when I went to a regular room and tell me, I just want to come and see you because I prayed for you. One young lady came in and told me, she said, I was compelled to come to your floor and I walked that hall all night back and forth in front of your room praying and I didn't even know who you were she said but I had to pray and I started praying person in ICU she said but I remember you most because you were the sickest one and you were the second one that had come in and even I had others that came and told me I was in respiration. I came up and I was the one who helped to turn you. And for those who do not know it, when you're intubated, Kyra explained it to me. No, it's, uh, when you have all parts of the um, disease that can uh, compromise your lungs, and it's a very serious uh, infection when you get into arts. Um, with ARDS, they turn the patients from laying on their back to laying on their stomach. It gives more uh, blood flow to the lungs and helps it to heal better when you lay what's called prone. They do not do that to all ventilated patients. They just do it to patients who are in ARDS. Okay. Um, and that was one thing that they did have to do to help with oxygenation. They did it one night, um, and after that one night that they did it for her, uh, that's when she started to have a turnaround, and her oxygenation started getting better, and uh, they, she started to rely less on the ventilator and more on herself. So, as you can understand, when someone comes and tells you that they were a part of the therapy that was done to help you get better, and they want to just see you as the finished product or the next level. It means a lot to you. Each one of them that I encountered, I could do nothing but pray for and thank them for being a part of helping me move to the next level. And it's stages that you go through. Even after I got over at rehab, I had people still coming from the hospital because they interchanged now on different teams 
and rotate to different hospitals. And when they saw my name on the docket, they came down and said, I just wanted to tell you that I was a part of your team at the hospital. I helped to do this for you. I helped to do that for you. So when the Lord has given a chance to witness and a chance to bless those who have helped you, you can't help but do everything you can to try to get better. What I was doing was not for me. As I told Kyra, I said, they've asked me to be a part of a research. And I said, I'm signing up. I said, I will only do what you recommend for me to do. Because at that time, I don't want to jeopardize myself by committing to something that was not to my best benefit. And she said, that's a good thing, Mom. What you will do will help some that are coming on behind. The Lord gives you many opportunities to make a choice. He gives you free will. You don't have to do those things. But every time you give, he gives back a thousandfold. Because I would not have gone through as fast as I did with the little effort that I had to put in because toward the end it got to the point where I was able to move through more than I ever thought and the one blessing that I had was the fact that I would get to see my mom and my daughter on my mom's 95th birthday something I never thought I would because I was still at that time we are not allowed visitors seeing my mom and my daughter in a month but it was good to be able to see them and to share the victory that I had made so far Stephanie Stephanie So we had a little technical difficulty at the end, which is probably all right because I think my cousin had talked enough at that point and I'm trying not to overwhelm her. We will have her back at a later date as she continues on with her healing, but just a special gratitude out to all of the first responders, all of the healthcare workers. Um, we pray for you daily, asking God to just keep his covering over you as you go about doing what you've been called to do. We pray for other essential workers as well and allowing us to be able to shelter as comfortably as we have been. The oil of God, <laughs> we need a little bit more time to unpack that, but I am extremely grateful. I am extremely in awe of how God has just operated through the lives of his people. And this one was really personal for me. So thank you for allowing me to have a little time with my family on Practice No Filter. We'll see you next time.